This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, praise the Lord. The text tonight is going to be Luke chapter 13, verse 1. Luke chapter 13, verse 1. It's one of our texts, actually. So let's, uh, as you turn to that, looking to the Lord now to um, speak to us, let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God that's not silent. That, Lord, you have so much to say to us, and you want to prepare us so that we can bear it, so that we can... Lord, take in all that you want to say to us. So help us tonight, Lord. Prepare us, we pray, to receive now the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Luke chapter, Luke chapter 1 there, and uh, Luke chapter 13, verse 1. 13, verse 1, here's what it says. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That was his statement. Except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. The passage that I've just read there has one of the most frightening statements in the Bible. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ was addressing all men when he said that unless a person repents, he will perish. He didn't say, unless a person repeats a prayer, he will perish. He didn't say that. If he did, then, then we would all be saying, exactly what is the prayer? What are the words? Have we got it right? Did we say it in the right order? Are you sure? He said, unless a person repents, he will perish. So that makes it really important to know 
what does it mean to repent? It becomes essential for us to be able to see a person who's repented and say, ah, that's what repentance looks like. Because the statement, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish, puts the stakes as high as they could be. So it's really important for everyone to know what does it mean to repent? It's important to have a clear picture of what repentance is. And fortunately, the Bible not only has these statements of imperatives, but it also has wonderful illustrations to make those imperatives clear, and that's the case here. We have a very clear illustration of what it means to repent in the history of Joseph. Joseph had what you might call a less than ideal relationship with his brothers. That's putting it mildly. And really, when you boil it all down, there were three sins that his brothers had that characterized, it defined their relationship with Joseph. The first sin was triggered in them when their father loved Joseph more than them, and Jacob, their father, made for Joseph a coat of many colors that he made for no other son, just for Joseph. And that triggered in them the sin of envy or jealousy. And that's seen in Genesis 37.3. Genesis 37.3 says, now Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brothers, brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. They were guilty of envy, envy. It says in Genesis 37, 11, Genesis 37, 11, his brothers, his brethren envied him. It's envy, what's envy? Envy is to hate someone because he has something more than we have. That was the first sin, envy. The second sin was triggered by the brothers when Joseph saw something that was no good, when the brothers were up to some no good activity and were not told what that was and we don't need to know, but it was no good and he reported their no good activity to their father, to Jacob, and that triggered in them the second sin which characterized their relationship, and that was in Genesis 37 too. Genesis 37 too says, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. That was the sin that they had of hatred. They had a hatred of him because he got them in trouble. Hatred for getting them in trouble. That was the second sin. The third sin that Joseph's brothers were guilty of was when they sold him as a slave and they watched him be carried away by the Midianites into Egypt and they did not respond to his cries for mercy that they would show mercy to him. And that was seen in Genesis 37, 26. Genesis 37, 26 says, Judah said unto his brethren, what profit is it if we slay our brethren and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him. He's our brother, our flesh. His brethren were content. And they're passed by Midianites, merchantmen. 
And they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph down into Egypt. From that, as they watched him go away, they were guilty of the sin of abandonment. Abandonment, they abandoned their brother. So these were the three sins that Joseph's brothers were guilty of. Envy, hatred, for getting them in trouble, and abandonment. Those are the three sins that Joseph's brothers had to repent of if they were going to be reconciled with Joseph, if they were going to be gonna have a future with Joseph, which in that case meant if they were gonna have food to eat, if they were gonna be sustained with food. So except those brothers repented of their sins of envy, hatred, abandonment, they would all likewise perish. So in this history, in Genesis 43 and 44, we get to see what repentance looks like. And now I'm gonna read some passages that show us what this is, the repentance from envy, hatred, and abandonment. First, in Genesis 43:33. Genesis 43:33. This is the last verses in, in this chapter 43. This is a meal. This is a meal where Joseph has brought them in. He's still under disguise as the Egyptian governor. He's brought them all in, and this is the setting of the meal. They sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, the youngest according to his youth. The men marveled one at another. And he took and sent messes unto them, said portions of food, unto them from before him. So the food first came to him, he divided it, and gave it to the, each, each of them. That mess is unto them from before him. But Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs. Now, Genesis 44, next chapter, Genesis 44, one. Genesis 44, one. He commanded the steward of his house, saying, fill the men's sack with food as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. And as soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses. And when they were gone out of the city and yet, not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, up, follow after the men. And when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, wherefore have you rewarded evil for good? Is not this in which my Lord drinketh and whereby indeed he divineth? You've done evil in so doing. They overtook him, spake unto them these same words. Now, down to verse 12, Genesis 44, 12. Genesis 44, 12. He searched, began at the eldest, left at the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they rent their clothes, laid at every man his ass, and returned to the city. Now jump down to verse 16. Genesis 44, 16. 44, 16. Judah said, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? How shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. And he said, Joseph speaks, he said, God forbid that I should do so. But the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, get you up in peace unto your father. Now the last verse in that we're gonna look at verse 33, Genesis 44, 33. 44, 33. Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. So 
This is a history here of the second visit of Joseph's brothers to Israel, to Egypt. And when you look at what happened here at first glance, it all looks so very strange as far as what Joseph did. And although it's an exciting read, it makes for an exciting read, that's very interesting to read it, Joseph did, what he seemed to be doing here just doesn't seem to make any sense. But when you look more closely into it, you see a great plan. There was a great plan that Joseph had. Now, Joseph's brothers, we see there that he had them leave at the crack of dawn there, and as soon as they got out of the town, Joseph pursued them, and very quickly, as it says in verse four, up, follow after the man when thou hast overtaken them. Now we see Joseph here, what he's doing in his plan. What Joseph had engineered and designed that the cup, his silver cup, his silver cup would be placed in Benjamin's sack, that seeing that is a key to understanding the overall plan of bringing his brothers to repentance. When Joseph was at home, when he was way back in Canaan, 22 years earlier than before, what did Joseph have that the other brothers didn't have? He had a coat of many colors. And they envied him from that. So Joseph's goal is to see if his brothers had repented of that sin of envy and jealousy. Now, Joseph can't take the hand of the clock and turn it back and see if they had repented of envying Joseph, but Joseph could do something. He could set up a situation where another brother stands in for Joseph. And then Joseph can stand back and see if the brothers envy that brother, and that brother is Benjamin, Benjamin. So what did Joseph make Benjamin to have that the other brothers didn't have? A meal that was five times more than they had. It wasn't that he was particularly, he was five times more hungry, he wasn't bigger, he was smaller. For me, it would have been no problem to give me five times more that. But this was part of Joseph's plan. This was part of his plan. It was like Joseph was giving a coat of many colors to Benjamin, right in front of the brothers. At one table, he sat another table in front of them and he watched them. And he could see if there was any envy, if there was any hatred of Benjamin, like the envy and the hatred that they had against Joseph when he was at home. So Joseph's plan here is all about testing to see, do the brothers still have the sin of envy and jealousy in them? It's marvelous because Joseph has now turned the clock back 22 years and recreated in Egypt at that feast his childhood, his childhood days when he was back in Canaan. That's exactly the way it was 22 years ago, except that Benjamin is now playing the role of Joseph, and Joseph will now play the role of Jacob, showering special attention and gifts and honor on Benjamin. And that exact scene of Jacob giving to Joseph the better coat of many colors before all the brothers, that's what's being recreated here. Only instead of a better coat, it's a better portion of food. Now we understand what Joseph was doing during the meal. He's watching, he's scanning, he's carefully looking over each one of the brothers to see, do I see envy, do I see jealousy? Oh, I'll recognize it all right because I saw it when I was little in their home. And in the brother's response to Benjamin's fortune, his good fortune there, Joseph could read if the brothers had really repented of what they had done to him. 
So he's recreated this similar situation where one brother is favored, one is honored more than the others, and then he reads the brothers to see, will they yield now to temptation to be jealous and envious of the favored, favored brother? Pretty smart for Joseph to set that up that way. That was part one of Joseph's plan there, to see if the brothers would repeat what they did in Genesis 37:4, when they hated Joseph because they were envious of him because he had the coat of many colors. And the brothers passed the test. They passed that repentance test because they showed no resentment or envy or jealousy to Benjamin because he got five times more food than they got. Now there comes part two of Joseph's plan to test the reality of their change, the reality of their repentance. That's what repentance is. Repentance is a change. Repentance is to be placed in the same situation as you were in the past and not fall to the temptation. So this is what he's doing. He's gonna test them now again. Now there was something that happened in the childhood life of Joseph and they hated him for that and that was that he brought the report and got him in trouble. So in part two of Joseph's plan, Benjamin again is gonna play the role of Joseph, Joseph's gonna play the role of Jacob, and Joseph now has set up a scenario in which Benjamin is gonna get them in quintessential trouble, huge trouble, and then Joseph is gonna watch to see if the brothers end up hating Benjamin for getting them in all the trouble. So let's see what happened here. So what happened? Verse nine. Genesis 44, 9, Genesis 44, 9. They said, with whomsoever of thy servants that be found, both let him die, and we will also be my Lord's bondmen. That's what the brothers said. They said, if you find this cup in any one of our sacks, then he'll die and we'll become slaves for life. And what happened? Verse 12, he searched, began at the eldest, left off the youngest, the cup was found in Benjamin's sack, then they rent their clothes and laid it, every man his ass and returned to the city. Just, just picture that scene. I mean, every brother is standing there by his sack and letting it be searched. And each brother is thinking, you know, if that silver cup is found in any of the brother's sack, then that brother is gonna be responsible for us to become slaves for the rest of our lives. I mean, you can kind of picture it. A lot of drama here, the oldest, to the youngest, they go to the youngest, they go to the oldest, they search, 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 so they don't find anything, and you can just see the, the, the brothers getting more and more confident, say, so, well, we told you so, you're wasting our time here, and then when they finally come to the last one and the silver cup is found in Benjamin's sack, can you imagine the shock? They can't believe their eyes. There it is, there's that silver cup, and can you imagine how the brothers were tempted to look at Benjamin and say, you just got us in a lot of trouble. How could you do something so stupid as to steal that cup? You just caused us all to become slaves for the rest of our lives. And from what we said, you're gonna be killed. And when it says in verse 13, then they rent their clothes, it shows that how they all knew that Benjamin just got them into a world of trouble for the rest of their lives. And that was Joseph's part two, you got us in trouble test to see whether they repented or not. So when the brothers come back now to Joseph, Joseph looks very carefully if any of the brothers looked with blame, looked with hatred on Benjamin for getting them in trouble, and they didn't. 
And so now Joseph has seen that the brothers have passed the repentance test of part one of the test of you are loved and honored more than us, and Joseph didn't see any envy. And now Joseph is thrilled to see that they passed the part one, and now he's seen that they've passed the repentance test of part two of you got us in trouble. And Joseph didn't see any hatred, any blame of Benjamin. So Joseph is thrilled to see that the brothers have now passed the part two of the repentance test. Now the brothers had said, in verse 10, Genesis 44, 10, 44:10, that the person who stole the cup should be put to death and they would become slaves. But in verse 10, Joseph, through the steward, because Joseph had rehearsed this with the steward, Joseph, through the steward, does not accept their proposal. He says, I, I accept it, but he changes it. And instead of what, the way they said it, he says in verse 10, Genesis 44, 10, now he said, let all, now also let it be according to your words. He with whom the cup it is found shall be my servant, and ye shall be blameless. So Joseph has said, the situation will be that the person who stole the cup, he will become the slave, and the others will go free. This is the beauty, the wisdom, the elegance of the part three of Joseph's repentance test, where Joseph has set it up so that one brother will be a slave and the others are free to walk, they're free to go. Joseph has again turned the clock back to where now Joseph is playing the role of the Midianites and Benjamin is playing the role of, of Joseph. It's more than two decades ago and one brother has now become a slave, that's Benjamin, and the other brothers are now free to abandon their brother like they abandoned Joseph and walk away. So now by setting up this same scenario where the one brother, Benjamin, will become the slave and the others will go free, Joseph now has the opportunity to see have the brothers repented? Will they act differently? Will they really abandon Benjamin like they abandoned me? And so he set up this scenario where Benjamin is gonna become a slave. They can leave, they can leave Egypt. They can abandon Benjamin just like they left and abandoned Joseph as a slave to the Midianites who carried him down to Egypt. And just look at how the brothers passed so wonderfully the third part of this repentance test in verse 16 when they said, Judah said, what shall we speak? Say unto my Lord, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak, or how shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants. He's already told them, you can go. You can leave, only him. But no, Judah says, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. So in the past, Joseph watched his brothers abandon him to slavery, and he wants now to see if his brothers have changed, if his brothers have repented, and they would not do the same thing again when they're put in a similar situation. So he has created this similar situation, this scenario where only Benjamin will be the slave, and they have the opportunity to walk free and to abandon Benjamin. And Joseph is thrilled to see that the brothers have passed this third part of his repentance test. And when Judah was speaking for all the brothers, he says, no, Judah says, no, we will not abandon Benjamin to be a slave. Benjamin will be a slave, we'll be slaves also. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.